Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me is my infamous sidekick, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey Jeremy! (laughs) Hello. How do you like being an infamous sidekick? Well, you know, it works for Robin, so you know. That's pretty sad. I, I don't want you to be Robin. Okay, well, you know. What other sidekicks are there? It can be Alfred. Okay, he's better than Robin. Okay, there you go. So you can be my Alfred and I'll be Batman. Okay. <laughs> We're here today to discuss another topic related to Christian theology, to have ordinary fellowship with one another, right? Correct. And uh, But before we talk... If you enjoy our podcast, we'd appreciate it if you like or rate our podcast on the service that you listen to it on, and especially, especially, we would love it if you would share share these with your friends and family. If they have biblical questions and we've answered them, it'd be good to share with, with your friends and family. Uh, we appreciate that very much. We also, um, don't forget our all of our podcasts are available on Sermon Audio as well. Um, you can find that on our church page on Sermon Audio, Two Rivers Community Church. So if you look up Two Rivers, you'll see Ordinary Fellowship as one of the speakers or one of the series on there, and you can locate all of it, all of our podcasts on that. So um, there's a couple ways to access us, but please be sure to... Uh, pass the word along and like or rate us. Uh, that would be very helpful for us. That way we'll show up in recommended podcasts to people. Today um, we're thinking about Easter. This will air the day after Easter. And so Matthew and I, we debated on whether to do this before Easter or after Easter, and we thought it would be good to do it after Easter, and we will title this the day after Easter. In other words, what difference does Easter make? What difference does Christ's resurrection make? So that that's what we're going to talk about today. Does that make sense? It does. Is that good for you, Matthew? It's good. You, I have your permission. Sure. <laughs> All right, so um, we're going to start by looking at at life negatively from a cynical point of view. All right. Uh, a skeptical point of view. We're going to look a little bit at the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're not familiar with this book, you may look at it and wonder why it's even included in the Bible. In fact, there's debates going on among interpreters and commentators about whether the author of Ecclesiastes is a skeptic or a believer. You can quickly see why someone would wonder about that as you read through Ecclesiastes. The first chapter especially, I'm going to read for you a couple verses out of there. It says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Real real optimistic yes, guy, yes. isn't he? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down, 
hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuit the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Even reading that, it is monotonous. <laughs> so the the poetry does a good job of making you feel the monotony that you probably feel in your daily life. I mean, it's every day is the same thing. You You wake up, you go to work, come home, spend some time with your family, go to bed, and start all over the next day. Now, you may say, well, but I have the weekends. That's different. But the weekends typically go like last weekend did and the weekend before and on and on. And then the weekend's over and you're back at it again. And so life is monotonous. It can be a it can be really a drudgery. And even when I've had jobs that I've loved, it still you I can still sometimes feel the weight of this monotony that it's the same thing every day. Even if it's something I really enjoy, I can that can start to wear on you that it and if you really start thinking about your life it can become overwhelming. This is a secular view, a skeptical view, and he said one of the key words in the book of Ecclesiastes is under the sun. So his perspective is not looking above the sun. He doesn't have a perspective of transcendence. It's just a perspective of being under the sun. And when you see that, it's every day is the same, every week is the same, every month the same. There may be warm weather or cold weather, rainy weather or snowy weather, but it's it's all the same when it comes down to it. A lot of times we do things in our lives to try to escape this monotony. We pursue pleasure, wealth, and the author of Ecclesiastes did the exact same thing. And he found at the end of the day, even those pursuits are vanity and worthless. So he gets to the point in the book of Ecclesiastes where he says in uh, verse 24 of chapter 2, There's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. And this isn't the only time he says it. Later in chapter 3, he asks the question, What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given the children of men to be busy with. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we see an honest look at the futility of life. And of course, this was brought about by the sinfulness of man. Had Adam not fallen and mankind with him, um, this wouldn't be a reality, but Adam did indeed fall and mankind with him. 
And this is the reality. This is the struggle we face every day. Some of the monotony is is trying to find meaning in everything that we're doing. Why am I getting up in the morning when it's just going to be the same thing that it was yesterday? Why go to work when it's going to be the same thing yesterday? Why go to get up and go to school when it's going to be the same thing as yesterday? What what joy, what pleasure can be in that? And the writer of Ecclesiastes doesn't seem to, until the very end, he doesn't seem to really <laughs> have any great profound Christian godly answers to that question. My guess is everyone has felt the weight of this themselves. Hopefully, you're, as I'm describing this and reading these verses, you're feeling the weight of that yourself and understand the dilemma we find ourselves in as sinful human beings in this world under the sun. Right. It's just the reality that life and its monotony just becomes weighing, and the key is, as you talked about it, it's under the sun. That is that on earth itself, there's really no escaping it. It's why you, throughout the centuries, you can find philosophers who basically said that life has no purpose, life has no meaning, you live, you die, dead men trample on, trample on your bones, and you go on. Because mm-hmm. under the sun, there doesn't seem to be any real hope. The universe is blind and pitiless, as right. Richard Dawkins says. And if you look at life under the sun, like the author of Ecclesiastes does, you can see that. Now, he's not as skeptical as Dawkins is, but still, he <laughs> he's very skeptical. Yeah, I'm not trying to get into the argument about whether he's a believer or a skeptic, but you can you can read this on every page and and feel the weight of that. And this is only some of the stuff that Ecclesiastes talks about, the futility of life, the burden that we have as mortals living life under the sun. It really is that kind of burdensome toil right? under the sun. Correct. This is where Easter comes in. This is where the resurrection helps, okay? The Heidelberg Catechism asks this question. It's question 45. What does what does the resurrection of Christ profit us? Gives three answers. First, by his resurrection he has overcome death, that he might make us partakers of the that righteousness which he had purchased for us by his death. Secondly, we are also by his power raised up to a new life. And lastly, the resurrection of Christ is a sure pledge of our blessed resurrection. The third one is really the one that we want to concentrate on today, though it will dovetail into the others, I think, especially the second one, that we have new life. But the resurrection of Christ is a sure pledge of our blessed resurrection. Another way of saying that in the context we're discussing it is that Christ resurrection helps us to see that their life is life above the sun, that this life isn't all there is. This futility, monotony of the daily toil of life is not all that there is. There's more to life. There's more to reality. There's more to life than that. Because, and we know this because Christ has risen from the dead. That gives us hope. 
Paul, especially, this is one of my favorite chapters, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul gives 58 verses, I don't know how many words, but 58 verses to discussing different aspects of the resurrection. The first part of it, he really explains the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. And it comes down to like 512 people at different times in different places saw Christ alive after he had been crucified. 500-something people saw him, and then he goes into an explanation of the importance of the resurrection. That is, if the resurrection hadn't happened, that we would be people to be most pitied. The the book of Ecclesiastes, life under the sun would be all we have. This monotony and boredom, this burden and toil of life, this futility, that would be it if Christ hadn't risen. But Paul teaches here that Christ has risen, and because Christ is risen, at his second coming, all of us will be changed and live, all of those who believe in Jesus and follow him will live with him forever in our resurrected bodies. And this this is what gives us hope. This is what gives us meaning to life here under the sun, even on the days where it seems monotonous and we're overwhelmed with the toil and burden. I think that's so important for us to always remember that as monotonous as life can be, that ultimately the solution has to be we have to look above the sun or past the sun or to have a play on words rather than looking at the sun, the S-U-N, we have to look at the sun, the S-O-N. Yeah, you know, there's a danger of looking at life under the sun, but then there's also the danger of ignoring life under the sun right. and thinking that this is all that's meaningful. Right. Um, that can lead to other bad ideas like asceticism, yeah. where you live your life basically as a monk because this world is evil and you're only waiting until you get to the other world. Or if this world is meaningless then live however you want, even if it's ungodly, because it doesn't matter, because the real life is a resurrection. So the resurrection, I think, provides balance that, as we'll see from the text that we're going to read from next, it provides balance so that we don't become so absorbed with resurrection life that we neglect life under the sun as well. So we want to, we want to keep that balance. Right. And I think Paul does that well, at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, and he gives an application of everything he said about the resurrection. And he says there in verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What a <laughs> hopeful word for us based on the resurrection of Christ. Because Christ is risen and we know that all who believe in him will also be raised with him for eternal life, and that there will be a reward for all of our labor. That motivates our labor today under the sun, on the days when it's monotonous, burdensome toil. The resurrection should should encourage us. There's a couple ways I think the resurrection of Christ encourages that. One is that we'll have reward. 
all of our work is going to be worth it. Even if it's unrecognized here under the sun, it will be recognized in that day when Christ, in in the day of judgment, because Christ will recognize all the works that are done for him and to bring him glory. So there will be recognition for those things that you do in the secret that nobody knows that you've done that have brought brought people to Christ, you served your family, you served in secret places that nobody knows about. No, you served in, in most people people aren't you're going to live and die and no one's going to remember your name 50 years, 100 years after you died. But and that can make us feel futile and feel that burden of toil. But at the day of judgment, everyone will know your your works for the Lord. And so that, that encourages us to keep on going, recognizes it, and it may not be recognized here, but it won't be overlooked by our Lord. Nothing that you've done to glorify his name and honor him will be overlooked. Right. So you just, you have you can we can use that as that reminder that in the midst of the monotony that we just keep pushing or as it says in philippians we press because we understand that ultimately our work will be rewarded when it's done for god when we're seeking to accomplish even that that monotony under the sun serves the purpose of bringing God glory. So we continue at it, and we see the we well, we might not see the reward here, like you talked about, but we will ultimately see the reward. Right, the reward will happen. Right, <laughs> there's no question about that. If you're a believer in Christ, if you're if you're the work and the toil you're doing is for the Lord, and I when I say for the Lord, I don't mean just the stuff you do at church. Right. Or just the sharing of the gospel that you do. But in every calling that God has placed you, if you're doing it in faith and to the glory of Christ, then then there will be rewards. That means changing your children's diapers and doing it faithfully in faith as to the Lord uh, will earn just as much reward as the, the martyr for Christianity does as well. So it's not, don't think of it as, well, all the things I do at church or when I'm at work and share the gospel. No, it will be all of our works that are judged. There aren't really any secular work, right. secular jobs. Um, it's where to do everything to the glory of God, and and in all those works will receive reward for, um, if we're doing it in faith and for the Lord. Yeah. And so we just continue to press because I think, but I do think that last point you were talking about is so important because I think it's so easy for us to act, to believe in this false assumption that there's a sacred secular divide. And in reality, everything we do, whether, like you said, whether it's changing diapers or it's making dinner or it's mowing the grass or whatever the task is, if the if we're doing the task for the Lord, then ultimately we will be rewarded for it because it's seeking to accomplish what God is the calling God has placed upon our life. Right. There's a payday coming. Right. <laughs> uh, 
Um, there's a payday for the righteous and for the wicked, but we're talking about the righteous right now. Right. Uh, and that payday will be a positive thing. We'll have we'll have our reward. Um, the the other reason I think that the resurrection of Christ helps us to labor and realize that our labor is not in vain um, is a lot. Sometimes our dreams and hopes aren't fulfilled under the sun, and so we toil under that burden, wishing and hoping things had been different for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's someone who's struggled in their career choice and wished they'd made different choices, and it's not always easy to just switch midlife. Couples who may not have been able to have children, things like that, or someone who had hoped to be married and remained single all their lives, these can become burdens in our lives that destroy our joy and make life more toilsome and burdensome. But the resurrection, I think, helps because all of that will be made up for. There's a verse in Joel, and I don't remember the exact verse, but God brought judgment on the people, and Joel announced that judgment to them. And God brought that judgment on the on the people because they deserved it. Yet, some at some point, he says he'll repay the 40 years the locusts had eaten. <laughs> and it, God is so merciful that even though they got punishment they deserved, he's still gracious and kind, and he says, I'm going to make up for that. I'm going to pay you back for that, for all your suffering and affliction during that time. So the resurrection means that this isn't all there is to life. And so if your hopes and dreams aren't fulfilled in this life, there's another life to come in which I'm not saying if you're struggling with with wanting to have children or getting married, those exact things are going to happen in eternal life because we know the Bible says we don't get married in heaven and there won't be children. We won't have children in heaven. I don't know how all of it's exactly going to work out. But what I'm saying is the resurrection assures us that all that we hope for, all that we dream for, will be made up for in some way in that eternal life. So even when our dreams are smashed, our hopes don't come true, the resurrection of Christ encourages us in that toilsome and burdensome life that God's going to make it all okay in that time. And that is really, really hopeful. It is, yes, it is quite hopeful. that Profoundly hopeful. Yeah, it is. It's profoundly hopeful that that my ultimate hopes and dreams, though the ones I have under the sun, might not be fulfilled. And that is burdensome and causes much angst and frustration and hurt, that ultimately the resurrection demonstrates that my greatest hope will be fulfilled and that I can rest in that hope that that which causes me the most angst and frustration, that is death and sin and hell, have been defeated. Therefore, we can, as the Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, we can remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding because God has demonstrated through the resurrection that I can trust and depend upon him. And so, though... 
my hopes might not be answered in the way that I think they should be, ultimately, I can still have confidence in Christ and who he is, and they will be fulfilled. They Even greater hopes have been and will continue to be fulfilled because back to the first point, we have that reward. That And part of that reward is, as a believer, we spend eternity with Christ and nothing that we could ever hope for on earth even comes close to what that will be like for us. Randy Alcorn wrote a very good book about heaven. It's not that I agree with everything he says in there, but there's it's really good. Right. And we'll probably be talking about heaven at some later point, but Randy Alcorn actually suggests in there that mothers who have lost children because the children died in infancy, the children will still be infants in heaven and they'll be able to raise their own children in heaven. I don't know if that's true. It's just speculation on Randy Alcorn's part. But wouldn't that be just like God to do something like that? And how much would... I? I it's beyond my imagination. God is that kind and gracious to do something like that. Yes. And we can see that kindness through the resurrection through what the resurrection represents, both as the historical fact that it is, but also through what it symbolizes. And just the idea that God would seek to redeem us in and of itself is such an amazing idea that, like you said, it, it fits with God's character then for that possibly to be true. Right. And... Another thing I would say, you know, we we celebrate Easter once a year, but we actually celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. Right. It was the day that the Lord rose from the dead. This is the day God has set aside to worship him. So it's not just once a week that we're confronted with, or not confronted with, but we're shown the hope of the resurrection. It's every week. So the monotony and the toil of six days of labor actually begins on the first day with the day of rest and worship of God where we're reminded of Christ's resurrection from the dead. That should give us this hope as we toil through the week. This should be a reminder to us weekly, not just yearly. I'll put a plug in for my Sabbatarianism. Understand. <laughs> as we close our our encouragement to you is to recognize that Jesus has guaranteed both our salvation, our eternity, and every event of our life. So therefore, we can proclaim that because he is risen, we can interact with each soul placed in our path with the reality that we don't we have hope, so we don't have to give in to the monotony of life, but rather we can serve as a beacon calling all those who are searching for a way out of the monotony that the answer the path lies through the resurrection through what Jesus accomplished and so may we embrace the resurrection not just as this thing that we celebrated yesterday but for this for an opportunity for us to embrace it and have it affect our each and every day of our lives so that we might give God the glory that he deserves. 
We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even your dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living. Music